Matthew 28, 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Matthew 28, 11 through 15. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell, <clears throat> tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The story that Jenna retold for us of these women who stood from a distance and watched Jesus be crucified and then went with Joseph of Arimathea and followed him to the tomb and stood and watched as the stone was rolled in front of the tomb. And then the next morning, or the Easter morning, went to the tomb in order, we don't know what they went, went to go there that morning to do, but they were hopeful, I think. And I think that these women and the way that they respond to Jesus and are close to him in this moment are really a, a contrast to Peter and James and John who fell asleep in Gethsemane that we talked about last week. Really a contrast to the disciples who all ran away from him and abandoned him. And we have the story of these women who wanted to be near to him even as they watched him suffer and die. And these angel, this angel appears after the resurrection and says to them, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. The tomb is empty. And that changed everything for those women, and it changes everything for us. Let's pray. 
God, we pray that this story of the resurrection that we talk about throughout the year and as we remember especially today, Lord, that this good news would, would not become old news to us, but would become new and fresh, that it would bring life and light into our life today, that we would know that the power of the resurrection is available to us today. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is our, our last sermon in the Gospel of Matthew. We've picked up Matthew a few times over the last three years, and we're finishing it up today here on Resurrection Sunday. And throughout our time in the Gospel of Matthew, we have focused on the theme of discipleship. Matthew can be read as a, as a guidebook for discipleship to Jesus, a handbook for how to follow Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew contains more of Jesus' teachings than any of the other Gospels. It includes the Sermon on the Mount that is Jesus' very challenging but also very practical teaching about how to follow him in our day-to-day -day life. It's a gospel that focuses on the call for people, all people, to live our life as disciples, as followers, as students of Jesus. And as we've spent this time in Matthew and as we've heard his teachings, I've reminded us that, that Jesus is the greatest teacher and he's the smartest person that has ever lived. He knows more about human psychology than any psychiatrist. He knows more about biology than any scientist. He knows more about human dynamics than any sociologist or therapist. But the resurrection reveals that he is also more than that. He is not only a great teacher. He is also a risen savior. He is alive he is with us. He has conquered death, and because of that, we have nothing to fear today. And there is really no point in following Jesus, really no point in being a disciple of Jesus, unless this event happened. There are many people who will say things like, I believe that Jesus was a great teacher. I believe that he taught a lot of wonderful principles, but I'm not sure if he is Lord. I'm not sure if he rose from the dead. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is really no point in listening to anything he said because he told us that he was going to rise from the dead. And if he did not rise from the dead, then he was either a liar or a crazy person. He's not worth listening to. The resurrection is the event on which believing in Jesus Christ, all of it hinges on this moment, this resurrection. The Apostle Paul told us that if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, then we Christians are to be the most pitied above all people. The resurrection is what makes Jesus unique among any and every other religious teacher. It's the event that makes our faith unique among any and all other religions and faiths. Faiths because the resurrection of Jesus Christ in history shows us that God is real and that God did something to our greatest enemy, death. Death, the inevitable enemy that all of us will face, was defeated by Jesus in his resurrection. If it didn't happen... There's no point to follow him at all. But because it happened, everything is different. Because it happened, all of us must give an account for what we believe about this one named Jesus. 
And in particular today, what I want to share with us today is that the resurrection is good news for our discipleship. It's good news for our day-to-day walk with Jesus. Uh, The resurrection doesn't only mean that we have victory at some point in the future. The power of the resurrection doesn't kick in after we die. The resurrection power is available to us today through Jesus, our risen Savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's, it's Paul's very long chapter on the meaning and the significance and the theology and the philosophy behind the resurrection. And at the very end of that chapter, he says something that I think is very interesting. He says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, the last part here has always struck me as interesting. I, I think what I anticipate Paul saying is, because there is... Death has lost its sting that now I don't need to be afraid because I'm going to die someday. But instead, he reminds us that the resurrection power is available for our life. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because of the resurrection, your life today matters. The work that you do for Christ matters. The decision to obey matters. Following him and his teachings matters today because of the resurrection. So we've heard today from Laura and Corbin uh, the stories of the resurrection from Matthew chapter 28. And then right after those stories of the resurrection, we have what's called... The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read verses 16 through 20. It says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. I want to suggest to you today that Jesus' teaching here in the Great Commission is his teaching about what the resurrection means for us today. This is Jesus' interpretation of the meaning and purpose of the resurrection. Sometimes we take these last few verses of chapter 28 and we kind of section it off as the Great Commission. It's this extra thing at the end of the Gospel of Matthew about the church's calling in the world as if it was somehow separate from the resurrection stories that went right in front of it. But I want to say to you today that they go together. 
This is actually Jesus' teaching about what his resurrection means. It's his teaching about the significance and the meaning and the purpose of his resurrection. The resurrection stories that we just heard and the Great Commission, they go together. It's his own teaching about what his resurrection means. And what I want to say is, he says it means at least three things for us today. The first is that all authority and power has been given to him. Because of the resurrection, all authority and power has been given to him. All authority, all power, the ability to say what is right and what is wrong. And not just to say what is right and what is wrong, but to to know what is right and what is wrong. To be the judge of what is right and what is wrong. In Acts, when Stephen, the very first martyr of the faith, was being stoned to death, he looked into heaven and he sees Jesus in the throne room of heaven at the right hand of the Father, in that place and position of authority. Jesus' interpretation, his teaching about what the resurrection means, is that because of the resurrection, he now has been given all authority over heaven and earth. Because he died on the cross and buried in a tomb and was risen from the dead, there is no thing, no power, no person, no title, no position, no king, no emperor that is greater or more powerful than him. He has been given the name that is above every name, that one day every knee will bow to him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And this is good news. The word authority can sometimes be a a bad word for us because authority is so often poorly exercised in our world. When we think about Jesus as judge, I want to remind us today that that is good news. And sometimes it's hard for us to get our mind around again because authority is sometimes used so poorly. People who have authority in our world today use it for themselves, use it in a way to harm others, use it to start wars with tanks and guns and armies. But friends, it is good news for Jesus to have all authority. Because part of the reason why the Father gave him all authority is because he chose to become a servant. He took on suffering. He took on shame. He took on pain. He took it on to himself. He went through all of that and paved the way for us to move through our suffering and our shame and our pain into resurrection ourselves. He took it on to himself. He went through it himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and this is good news. He is both the lion and the lamb. He is the one with authority who is tender with those who are hurting and who disciplines those that he loves. He is the king who wore a crown of thorns. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to this Jesus, the one who is gentle and lowly, as well as the one who holds all power in his hands. The second thing that Jesus says about his resurrection is that it is good news for the nations. Verses 19 and 20. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In Jesus' interpretation of the resurrection, what it means is that those of us who follow him also now have good news to share with others. We invite others to become a follower of his as well. And the good news that we carry is not only that when we die, we will go to heaven someday, but that right now we can be immersed, immersed into the life of God. That right now we can come to know God, to be a follower of Jesus, who is our teacher. When I was in seminary, um, I, one of my roommates during seminary was uh, a man named Daisok Panmai. This is Daisok. Um, he was from a place called Nagaland. Nagaland. It's a real place. It sounds made up, but it's a real place. And this is my friend Daisok. Um, he's quite a character. As you can see, that's a really good picture of him. And Daisak was from a small state in northeast India called Nagaland. And Daisak told me, as he was telling me about his background and where he came from, is that the Nagas at one time were fierce fighters. They would uh, fight with one another in between their tribes. And he told me one day that they were headhunters. I don't know what exactly that meant, but it sounds brutal. They were fighters and they were headhunters. But in the 1870s, two missionaries, Edward Clark and his wife Mary Mead, they went to Nagaland, they brought the gospel there, and it changed everything for the Naga people. The tribes began to cooperate. They began to make peace with one another. And today, over 95% of people in Nagaland are followers of Jesus. And now, Nagas send pastors and missionaries to other parts of the world. Daisak is a pastor in Logansport, Indiana. Another Naga named Valui, he used to pastor First Baptist here in Fort Wayne, and is now a pastor in Northern California. Jesus' resurrection is good news for the nations. It is the call to be a disciple and then to make disciples of the nations, to teach people how to obey. And again, obedience, like authority, is sometimes a dirty word. But again, when we follow Jesus, who knows all things, who knows what is best for us, obedience is good news for us. The third thing that Jesus teaches us about his resurrection is that it means that he is with us always. Verse 20, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The promise that the resurrected Jesus gives to us is that he is with us always. We do not only have his teachings, we do not only have a book he is alive with us. His presence through the Holy Spirit is always with us, healing, empowering, encouraging, leading, guiding. Jesus was not a teacher who simply left his ideas behind for us in order to try to figure out how, what he meant and how to follow them. His, he is a teacher who is alive and present with us, leading us and empowering us by his very real presence. And he is going to be with us all the way to the end. He will never leave us. He is going to be with us all the way to the end of the world, to the end of all things. He will be there. 
And his resurrection is the promise that we can always trust that he always will be Emmanuel, God with us. This is Jesus' teaching about what the resurrection means for us. That all authority has been given to him. And that you and I are called to go with that authority to go and declare the good news to the nations and to teach people that they also can come and be his disciple and to learn how to obey him. And that because he was alive, because he is alive, we have the promise that he is with us. Always Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we thank you for the resurrection and we thank you that you told us what it means You told us in your own words the significance of your death and your resurrection for us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are the one who holds all authority. We thank you that your resurrection is good news for the nations. And we thank you for the promise that you are always with us, even to the very end of the world. Amen.